0: Being recorded on Monday, July 25th, 2016. I'm your host, Jason Retail Geek Goldberg, and we have a special announcement this week from our new sponsor, the National Retail Federation. The Jason and Scott Show is going to be live podcasting at the Shop.org Digital Summit, uh, which this year is in Dallas, September 26th through the 28th. So this is your first opportunity to hear a live Jason and Scott Show where we won't be able to edit out any of Scott's vulgar language and profanity. So I know some, some fans are really looking forward to that. Um, and to make it even more enticing, we have negotiated a custom discount for Jason and Scott show listeners. And that promo code is Jason and Scott. That's spelled J-A-S-O-N, ampersand, S-C-O-T. Avid listeners will know that Scott's parents really wanted to challenge us from an SEO standpoint. So we go with the, the classy one T spelling of Scott. Uh, and if you type that into the promo field at the NRF website, you'll get a 10% discount on full conference uh, badges. So you can get a link to that and a reminder of the code in our show notes. Um, Or you can go to retaildigitalsummit.nrf.com to register for the show. Uh, So we certainly hope to see you there. And as always, I'm here now with our co-host, Scott Wingo.
1: Scott? Scott? Hey, Jason. Hold on. Hold on, Jason. I got a Snorlax here. Oh, my God. Okay, okay, I got him. All right. Congrats, man. Sorry, everyone, you got to have priorities, and uh, podcasting is second to Pokemon Go. But seriously, if you've been living under a rock, you probably, unless you've been living under a rock, you probably have heard about Pokemon Go, and tonight, what we want to do is have a special deep dive around this exciting new mobile game that is sweeping the globe.
0: That's right. Um, we know that many listeners exclusively rely on the Jason and Scott Show for their news, and so uh, we we took it upon ourselves to immediately get the word out about this uh, exciting trend capturing the nation.
1: Yeah, there's there's kind of four topics we want to share with you. Um, you're probably wondering why should Jason and Scott care about Pokemon Go even though it's an awesome game. So we want to share why. So we think all retailers should really be tracking this really closely uh, because it's going to have pretty big implications, especially if you have stores. So the four topics we want to talk about tonight... Give you a little background about Pokemon Go so you kind of understand where it came from uh, and where it's going. Uh, we have a quick guide for retailers on some of the main concepts that you'll care about around Pokemon Go. And then we're going to pontificate around how we think this is going to impact retail. And for those of you that are super interested in this, you can stick around at the end where we'll give you some exclusive advanced strategies for upping your level, owning gyms, and totally dominating this game. So with that, let's jump into a little background. So, Pokemon Go is uh, it was started by a guy named John Hanke, and he is the entrepreneur that started a company called Keyhole. Keyhole came up with what was then renamed to Google Earth because it was acquired by Google, and after. After Google acquired Keyhole, he ran all of what was called Geo at Google, which includes Google Maps uh, and then Google Earth and anything that had kind of a geographical component to it. In 2010, he got kind of bored running this, and he had this idea of kind of taking all this Geo data and putting Games on top of it in the real world. So kind of this intersection of real world geodata married with gaming and started a company inside of Google called Niantic, N-I-A-N-T-I-C. And that is the name of a ship that landed in San Francisco that was part of the gold rush. So, um, you know, very much an explorer kind of a mindset is along with a gold rush kind of a mindset. They came out with their first game, which was called uh, Ingress, and it's pretty cool. I actually played this a fair amount. Uh, and uh, just very much like Pokemon, you would walk around the real world and um, looking at your phone, you could see these kind of this this hidden world that was there and there was gamification and whatnot. In October, what was interesting is Google spun off Niantic as this company took an investment from Nintendo, and they kind of simultaneously announced this spinoff. And that also they had taken a 30 to $35 million investment from Nintendo, and Nintendo had given them the exclusive rights to Pokemon uh, to create the first mobile game for Pokemon. So there's a lot of buzz about this out there, um, but people weren't really sure how good it would be and when it was coming. Uh, and they surprised launched this on July 6th of this year in three countries. So just the U.S., uh, the U.K., and I think like New Zealand and Australia. And um, within a week, it exceeded the active users of Twitter. So this is by far the you know quite a phenomenon. Uh, another interesting thing you may not know about this is they've already announced that there's going to be uh, a wearable that goes along with this. So imagine a Fitbit-like device that vibrates and lights up when you're near either a Pokemon or one of these stops kinds of things. So that's a little background about the company, uh, and you know it's kind of a you know one of these. The, this guy has been working on this literally mm-hmm. since definitely 2010, and if not earlier. This whole idea of of you know how can you map the Earth? Um, and if if you haven't followed him, he's pretty interesting. He has some interesting YouTube videos where he actually walks through the math of you know it's not actually that hard to think of. Could you map every square inch of Earth? And he walks through the math of it. It's pretty pretty fascinating if you're super geeky like Jason and you're into that kind of thing.
0: I I just love thinking about the fact that he you know spent. Ten years of his life doing these like super hard geo stuff, um, and in reality, it was all to just help all of us be able to catch Pokemon. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a public service, and I think we all appreciate that he's done
1: this for us. I'm
0: very grateful for
1: him, and I suspect he's having a pretty darn good month. <laughs> <laughs> yeah the uh, it was funny because Nintendo's stock doubled and then everyone realized wait this isn't really Nintendo's game it's this startup that licensed it and then like the stock went down by half unfortunately so <laughs> yeah i mean so it's it ended kind up of
0: a, lower than it started right like i like there's actually been a negative effect on the the Nintendo stock from Pokemon
1: yeah and I I think that's that's uh, the first one was an overreaction positive I think this is an overreaction negative because there is this renewed interest in Pokemon because of this game so I do think there's a knock on effect but it is definitely not a direct effect but Pokemon does own a considerable chunk. No one knows exact amount because we don't know what the private valuation was. But they're the largest investor in Niantic, and so so they do get a benefit. But it's kind of arms length, and then um, they will get a direct or a, a knock on direct effect of this. I do think this is going to revitalize this franchise in a way that no one would have expected. You know, literally twenty days ago. I assume the movie has already started production. They they probably uh, can just retread all. There's probably I think there's already like 30 Pokemon movies they could just retread and put out there. I don't know. (laughs) So so that's part one, just a a quick backgrounder, and then part two is uh, just how this game works at a high level. So first of all, it is a game that. rewards you and incense you to walk around. Uh, and this is brilliant because no parent I've talked to really complains about this game. They're like, I love it. It's got my kids running around. They're exercising. There's reports of kids losing weight. Um, you know literally parents are saying please stop running around the driveway in circles. You're driving me crazy. Um, so so that's an interesting element. And this is where it kind of intersects with retailers. So so the way the game works is uh, you wander the earth looking for Pokemon. And uh, you have an experience level, uh, and you start at one and you work your way up. Uh, I'm in the mid-20s right now, so I've been working at this pretty good uh, with my daughter. And uh, so as you gain experience, you find more and more elusive Pokemon. So these Pokemon are... You know that you can, as you walk around, you get this little radar that tells you where they are in the physical world. So you may be walking down your street. Your radar tells you one that you're looking for is near you, and then you can see the grass moving. You start walking around trying to find these Pokemon. That's one way to get Pokemon. Another way to get Pokemon is you can get these eggs, and you can hatch these eggs in incubators. Now, this is where, uh, again, it starts to be interesting for retailers. So now we've got all these people walking around, uh, which is good, which is foot traffic. And um, they're looking for Pokemon. But there's a couple physical things that that are interesting. The first one is there's these areas called... um, Well, first of all, you can... um, just like any good mobile game you can buy in-game currency which is called Pokecoins, coins for real world dollars so you can spend anywhere from i think 2 to 100 dollars a pop and buy po- pokey coins and Pokecoins coins give you a shortcut for getting um you know a variety of different items that help you in your journey uh, you can't buy pokemon but you can buy these things called lures that that kind of lure pokemon towards you um you can buy these multipliers you can buy incubators for your eggs. You can buy. Um, there's, there's. Um, when we get to the vant section, you fight. You can battle with your Pokemon, uh, and there's things for that. Um, but what's really interesting is you don't have to buy these things if you find a PokeStop, which which are these various areas that have been designated as PokeStops. Then, as you go to these PokeStops, you see them a picture, and you can spin the picture, and you get free stuff from the PokeStops. So you don't have to use. Your real currency. So the Pokestops stops dispense eggs, um, these lures I'm talking about, all the items that you would need. So you're rewarded by walking by these pokey stops. So this is a pretty interesting area. So um, these are mostly public spaces. So the way they did this is their first game that they put out, which is called Ingress, was really a Trojan horse. So they got I think about a million people using this game. Which is good and impressive, but now you know they've got hundreds of millions of people using this new game, um, and they use the data from that game to see where people congregated. And they there was a reward system in there to find these public places like historical markers, churches. Um, if you go to parks, they tend to have a lot of these things because there's a lot of statues and things like that. So public spaces, um, and those tend to be pokey stops because this old game kind of figured out where. Uh, in, in on in the globe were these natural intersection points, so that that's that's one area. Now the other one is the ones that have the most intersection points get promoted to something called gyms. So uh, for about every thirty Pokestops out there, there's a, a gym, uh, and a gym is where you go and you battle your Pokemon. So you tend to find, uh, it's funny, we have this uh, old converted grocery store that's a store and it happens to be a retail. There's not many retail establishments in this right now. It's almost like they sorted them out, but a couple have snuck through. Um, there's this local store, and I was over there the other night and there was like 12 people in the parking lot. Uh, kind of you know, battling out uh, against the gym, which was pretty interesting. So so Pokestops, gyms are important for you to know, eggs and lures. Now what's interesting is, let's say you go to a Pokestop and you get an egg and you put in your incubator. There's different kinds of eggs. There's 2 kilometer, 5 kilometer, and 10 kilometer. And you literally have to walk to get these eggs to hatch. So you're very strongly incented. You're incented to walk around because that, there's Pokemon around, and then you're incented to walk around even... Kind of two X because you're hatching your eggs. Um, as you go, there's a lot of reasons to play this. Some people play it to level up. Some people p- play it to kind of win gyms uh, and and own gyms. And another one is most kids really love to just collect the Pokemon. So so as you you know again you have to walk around and hatch eggs and go to Pokestops and go to gyms and things to make all this work. In your app, you can see how many Pokemon you've collected, and then there's this universal dictionary of Pokemon called the Pokedex, and that tells you, okay, here's all the Pokemon you have here's the ones you don't have, and some of these things evolve, and they'll tell you the evolve chain like you know it starts out as this and it goes to that, et etc so those are the basics of the game any anything I miss there, Jason
0: no, I think you you got it like obviously, this is a perfect example of an augmented reality game, and so um, a lot of the user interface is overlaying graphics on the camera view in the the mobile phone, so you you see what you would see in the real world, augmented by these Pokemon gra- uh, graphics. And so we've we certainly talked uh, on previous shows about augmented reality potentially being the the next big technology for commerce and, and here we're we're seeing a very mainstream application get rapid traction, uh, primarily leveraging augmented reality. So it's pretty exciting.
1: Yeah. Yeah. How can I forget that? The uh uh when we get to the advanced section, I'll tell you something that may make you sad about the AR. But uh it is one of the coolest parts of the game when you're first playing Is you're like looking at the grass in your yard and there's a Pokemon. And he like literally pops out of the grass and you're like, holy cow, this is amazing. And even better, you can take screenshots in the game. And so we're starting to see
0: on the social networks some very funny images of, uh, you know, various Pokemon, like in retail settings and in other uh, physical settings.
1: Yeah. So, so those are the basics of the game. And, uh, you know, so I think it's important to pause here and think, uh, it's easy to say, wow, this is a kid's game. Why should I, you know, this, uh, storied retailer that listens to the Jason and Scott show, be care about this and play this. But, um, I found A, it's really fun. And then B, it is fascinating. this is different than anything you've ever kind of seen before. So I think, I think playing it a little bit, you know, give it 10 minutes, um, go to a pokey stop, go to a gym, um, get to level five. That, that is pretty basic thing I would recommend for any retailer, because I do think this is going to be a pretty serious trend. A lot of people have already talked to you think it's going to be a fad. I, I don't, I don't think so. These guys really know. They've been kind of planning for this for six plus years, um, and I think there's they they know how to build these kinds of things. And I don't think it's going to be a fad. So with that let's go on to the third section. What does this mean for retail? Um, so one thing you and I talk about, Jason, a lot. Um, so for example, on the um, on the on-demand economy uh, deep dive and a couple ARVR deep dives. You know, one of the things we talk about is. Consumer behavior is changing faster than ever before, and it's because of these platforms that are out there, be it social Mobile, etc., that allow something like this to just catch on that much faster than ever before. Uh, and, and I said it at the top of the show, and I think it bears saying again. Not only is this the biggest game ever, literally in, in 20 days, and this is better than you know, bigger than Clash of Clans, any game that has ever come before on on the mobile platforms. It's already bigger than them um, from both a download and an active usage basis. Um, it has a bigger audience than Twitter, which which is pretty amazing. Um, you know, I don't know. How old Twitter is it's probably going on, you know, definitely more than than ten years at this point. Um, so this is how fast, and I, I, I can guarantee, you know, that this, unless some servers crash for a long period of time or something, that this is going to be the fastest, you know, uh, um, any any of any consumer app to go to a billion users. Uh, it'll it'll be the fastest. Uh, just to give you an idea of, of how this is changing consumer behavior, uh, I went on a business trip to Boston. I had uh, a morning meeting and an afternoon meeting, and I chose to walk uh, about an hour between two meetings. And on my walk, I went through the, the park there um, uh, in Boston. I forget the name. It's on Boylston Street. And there was literally packs of 30 people wandering around. And I probably you know, saw four or 500 people wandering around playing Pokemon Go. And, um, you know, it's just amazing how this has changed things. So I thought, all right, that's a big city, I get it. Uh, then I went to Greenville, North Carolina, which is you a know, much smaller, just to give you an idea, Raleigh is a city, a metro of about a million people. Greenville's probably 50,000 people, um, not much there, uh, kind of a one university and, and a lot of farmland. Uh, and uh, first of all, the folks we were visiting were obsessed with Pokemon Go, and the first thing they said was, oh, you play Pokemon Go? Let's go to this park. And we went to this park, and again, there was like 100 kids running through this park, collecting Pokemon, running in circles, hatching their eggs. It's just amazing how how from the most suburban area to the most metropolitan area this is really changing consumer behavior.
0: Absolutely. and I think one of the really interesting things about that is that we're sort of hardwired to Understand uh, linear change. So, hey, the last big digital trend you know got adopted this fast, and so it's easy for us all to imagine the next big digital trend being adopted ten percent faster than that, fifteen percent faster than that. Um, but the reality is that these trends are getting adopted exponentially faster. And it's, it's very hard for us to even imagine that, much less plan for that. And so when we're sitting around our offices thinking about, you know, the tactics that we're going to implement and the ones we're, that we're going to have to skip, and we're thinking about what, which tactics consumers will adopt, what we really have to remember is that these conventions and the expectation for the user are changing faster than ever. And they're not just changing because of the experiences we give them. They're changing because of all the experiences they get in things like uh, this Pokemon game. So uh, whereas a month ago we might have sat down and said, hey, augmented reality is really a fringe niche thing and only a small percent of the population is really interested in an augmented reality experience, now it's a safe bet that the overwhelming majority of audiences that all of us would like to reach as retailers are familiar with augmented reality. So it's suddenly become a a much more practical convention to adopt. And so... That to me is, is super interesting in terms of the, the pace of change. And it's going to have all of these intended and unintended consequences. And so one of the unattended consequences, in my view, is that this is probably the final nail in the coffin for a whole set of uh, tactics that, that we use in retail called impulse purchases. Right. And so, you know, in the old world, uh, people had a lot of downtime and there were a lot of gaps in their, um, their shopping experiences where there was nothing they could do while they were standing in line to wait to pay, for example, or waiting for something to be delivered. And so it used, to, there used to be this great opportunity for the retailer to fill those gaps with content and experience that the retailer wanted, right? So in a grocery store, that's all the impulse purchases, um, above that conveyor belt at the checkout and that, turns out to be the most valuable retail space in the grocery store. It's the highest revenue per square foot space in the store are all those impulse items that you buy while you're mindlessly waiting your turn to, to pay for your goods. And with the rapid adoption of all these digital entertainment things, um, People sim- simply aren't turning to the retailers' choices to fill their downtime, right? Like when you're staying in line to to pay at the cash register, you're firing up Pokemon Go to see if there's any Pokemon you can catch.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And um, the so, you know, I, I think you're right. Impulse is dead, uh, but maybe in a way, this could be a way to bring it back. What we'll, we'll have to kind of see. But um, another thing to draw people to. Uh, the, the change in consumer behavior. There was in Central Park in New York ends up being a great place to catch rare Pokemon for whatever reason, um, and I think it was from that previous game they just looked at all these intersections. And there's just like you know naturally a lot of people that congregate in Central Park, so it ended up being this kind of nexus for for Pokemon. Um, There's this funny video we'll put in the show notes where uh, a tweet went out, I believe, that said there was this rare one called a Vaporeon in Central Park. And there's literally like 300 people descended on Central Park. And the police were confused. They didn't know what to do. They thought it was like a flash mob or something. uh, And then they finally kind of clued in that it was just people playing this one game. Um, So, you know, how does this tie to retail? Well, there there are some retailers that were fortunate enough to either be a PokéStop, like the local store I mentioned, or to have one nearby. Uh, and I I kind of include gyms in there, like my uh, my Starbucks that I go to uh, quite a bit has a gym right on top of it. It's not associated with their Starbucks, but they happen to be near this statue that has a gym on it. Uh, and I've you know uh, I've read stories of at least thirty percent increase in foot traffic, uh, if not more, from from folks that are uh, fortunate enough to have a PokéStop or a gym nearby.
0: Yeah. And I, um, there was a interesting interview with this guy, Paul Rayner, who's the CEO at GameStop. Um, and he said that on the opening weekend after Pokemon Go launched, that sales were literally up a hundred percent in stores, uh, that, that happened to be Pokestops or Gems. Um, and he, he said that, you know, also they saw a hundred percent increase in, Pokemon collectible sales at GameStop. So, both uh, reaffirming your earlier premise that that this game is is uh, reinvigorating the the value of the Pokemon franchise, uh, and also you know clear evidence that being a PokeStop and getting the the incremental traffic from this game can have a very favorable effect uh, on a brick and mortar location like a retail store um and that leads me to the next interesting point which is the uh as you mentioned early on the the uh, another investor in the game and sort of an original owner of the game was Google um and there are a number of rumors um that the best Google advertisers in the retail space uh, were approached and offered opportunities um to uh, sponsor the game in a very subtle way and become a uh, have their locations become Pokestops. stops and so it's if those rumors are true um, they've essentially already monetized the game uh, with retailers and you know given retailers an opportunity to sponsor the game and drive more traffic to their stores and as I th- suspect we're going to talk about in a bit there's some other tactics that retailers can engage in to sort of get the most out of the Uh, other tactics retailers can take to get the most out of the game.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. I had not heard that. I have heard Henke come out and say, um, you know that they're. It is definitely part of their business model to monetize Pokestops Stops and Poké Gyms and have sponsorship. Um, so, um, so that that's definitely on there. You know, phase one was to get the game out, get it people addicted or, or really using it, uh, and then to monetize through in-app purchases. But he's definitely said that you know Pokestops Stops and the sponsoring of them. And in fact, when they launched in Japan, um, about two weeks after the U.S. kind of English-speaking countries, um, which was just amazing. How fast they've launched this thing, to be honest with you. But anyway, when they launched in Japan, they did launch with with uh, McDonald's Japan as a sponsor. So every McDonald's Japan is uh, a PokéStop, um, which is interesting. Uh, and you could see this going. You know, there's you could have you could see branded incubators. You could see people sponsoring even in this in the universe of Pokemon. They don't have them all in there. There's a good twenty or so that are missing, and some are only available in different countries. You you could see a lot of different you know. You could even, you know, there could be a level of sponsorship where you get a gym, which is, I think, better because you get more kind of folks there. You could almost even say, "Hey, we want to spawn some rare Pokemon at our location, and we're willing to pay for that." So there's this really interesting, you know, business model that, that that's pretty crazy. Um, at Comic Con. Which is just wrapping up. He was one of the last people to speak, uh, and he revealed 20 things that are coming in the game and, and, um, you'll like this. A lot of the, I would say about eight of the new 20 features he talked about all have an AR component. So, so they feel like the AR they have is really 1.0, if, if even there. Um, so for example, you'll be able to trade. So you'll be walking down the street and you'll be able to look at people. Like let's say you and I, uh, were in this, the, the same room, which we never are, but pretend I could look at you through the camera and it will show me, um, you can broadcast what you want to trade. So over you, you know, it will, it will have a Pikachu and, and whatever it is you want to trade. So I could then walk up to you and say, Hey, Jason, I see you want to trade a Pikachu. I, you know, what do you want? Do you want a Snorlax? And we could have like this augmented reality social network is going to be effectively built in here. That was, that was one I thought you would find pretty cool.
0: Absolutely. And seconds after that goes live, someone's going to figure out how to convert that into a Pokemon dating, uh, uh, application. Yeah, yeah. Swipe left for uh Pikachu. Exactly. Uh if if uh people are selling a Pikachu, that means they're they're looking for a long-term relationship. If they're you know, who knows? Um, but yeah the sponsorship opportunities are are really interesting. right? we're you know obviously uh if you had an early opportunity to to get your store designated as a, a Pokestop, like you you got incremental traffic. If if they later offer the ability to sponsor those Pokestops. That's, that's gonna drive incremental traffic. And what's interesting is, are you the kind of store that can benefit from that Pokemon traffic? So if you were GameStop, makes perfect sense. Everyone using that game is a gamer. Um, and, you know, certainly GameStop would like more gamers to walk in their store. But there are other kinds of stores that were potentially inadvertently pokey stops. And, um, you know, examples of that might be forever 21 or Sephora. And they're suddenly getting a bunch of foot traffic that don't necessarily have any interest or buying intent for those stores. And so, you know, some of those retailers reacted as if this incremental traffic was uh, a nuisance and a detriment to their store environment. So really depending on uh Your your orientation the the traffic could be favorable or negative and there there you know there are a bunch of funny signs now being passed around the internet where retailers have literally put up a sign saying Pokemon are for paying customers only sort of implying that like if you weren't shopping at at uh, Sephora we don't want you coming in the store and running amok and trying to catch Pokemon in our store. Um, So that was really interesting. And then, you know, there's some sort of clever spins that individual retail stores kind of took it upon themselves to do some guerrilla marketing. So there's a funny example of a T-Mobile store putting a sign in the window saying, hey, you can't catch uh all the Pokemon around here with your weak old phone. Come in and get a new, st- new phone and you'll be much more successful. And certainly there's some new... Devices that Pokemon players are finding they need. So when you're running this app all, all day long, uh, the typical smartphone battery isn't going to last all day while you're playing Pokemon. And so one thing all Pokemon players now need is a external battery. So, you know, we've already seen some smart retailers merchandising batteries. Um, when the hoverboards come back in their, their, um, they're a little safer or the Segway hoverboard. Like you, you could imagine people start selling those things to help expediting the incubation distances that you have to travel.
1: It's a, uh, it's funny. I was actually at Best Buy. My Mophie has died. So I was getting a new Mophie and I was, I was at the, the charger station. There was like only five things. It was like, Devastated. Now it didn't occur to me that it was Pokemon Go until he just mentioned that. <laughs> I was here. I was blaming Best Buy for not keeping their, their shelves stocked, but they've probably had a run on these things and didn't anticipate it the um uh, another thing that you can kind of do gorilla wise so so this is coming you'll be able to buy these pokey stops and and whatnot but until then you know what i've heard a couple retailers doing that's interesting is you can actually um, you know put you can go buy in the app these lures they're called incense uh, and you can just throw them out so when you do that it draws pokemon to your location when you draw a pokemon uh, that will draw people to you so that's one thing i've heard of, of a lot of local businesses doing Especially restaurants and whatnot, they'll during prime time um, when folks are out, they'll throw some lures out, and then uh, that draws a crowd. Uh, and I've seen some interesting kind of social media sharing discount kind of combinations. Where I saw, um, I saw this one business that was near a PokéStop, and if you bought in a Pokemon that was Captured there, um, you got a discount. And, uh, and I saw another one where you, would if you shared something and tagged them on uh, either Facebook, Twitter, Insta, or Snapchat, you you would get a discount. So, so people are definitely coming up with very creative ways to to ride the wave, even as it is today.
0: Yep. And while some of those don't seem very scalable, the, the, it really is a smart tactic to do some of these guerrilla things, like even in a few stores, just to sort of gauge. The level of engagement that your target audience is likely to have with a new trend like this. And so, um, you know, I really think it's smart f- for the retailers that are throwing some lures out there and putting a sign out saying, Hey, there's, there's Pokemon in our store. Or if you're lucky enough to have a rare Pokemon that you're, you're finding a way to promote that, you know, or particularly things that you can measure like, um, You know, showing the retailer that you caught a Pokemon in the store and then getting some benefit. Like that gives the retailer an opportunity to quantify the number of Pokemon players in the store. And if that looks meaningful, like then that would certainly argue in favor of adding Pokemon to your marketing mix. And I know some listeners that haven't played the game and aren't big gamers are probably you know, listening to this episode, if you're still listening, somewhat skeptically and poo-pooing some of this stuff, but just to put it in perspective, if you've ever had a conversation at your enterprise about sponsoring a post in Twitter, um, you did that because you thought that post would be seen by a, a a meaningful subset of the the Twitter audience, right? And uh, b- getting an opportunity to sponsor something in this game is going to get seen by a larger audience than that. So if you just forget the mechanics of it being a game versus a social network or anything else as just an opportunity to go buy a big chunk of eyeballs, um, this, you know, in a very short time has become a bigger opportunity to buy a set of eyeballs than many of the, the traditional social platforms that, that uh, all of us are interested in.
1: It's also easy to say, okay, this is a demographic that doesn't appeal to me. You know, I'm, I, uh, I'm after millennials or or Gen Xers or whatever. Um, so what's interesting about this is it's got very. Interesting demographic characteristics. So I've, I've definitely seen kind of kids get involved, but most kids kind of, you know, 14 and under don't have cell phones. So, so you're, you're really looking at more millennial types or just kind of on the edge of Gen Z. Uh, my teenagers, for example, are really into it. Um, my son reports that the, you know, the kids on college campuses are really, really into this and college campuses are great because there's all these public places. Um, so they tend to be full of pokey stops. Uh, and then when I've gone, what I found is the most advanced gyms, it tends to be, you start to get these whales, which are these folks that are spending, you know, hundreds of dollars in the game and they tend to be our demographic. So I've seen 35 to 40 year old dudes, you know, it's a little creepy because they typically are hanging out at night at these places around these gyms and they're on their phone and they're battling it out. They're just kind of really into it and, you know, they're reliving their youth and, uh, and, and enjoying kind of playing a game out in the real world it's it's a so it, it's probably a broader demographic than i think a lot of listeners would immediately think are, are playing the game
0: yeah i was gonna say if this episode proves nothing else it should establish that one of the demographics for this game are um successful entrepreneurial
1: gen Xers that have successfully launched their own public companies yes yes that's a it's it's a it's a fun game the uh the thing i uh, the reason i like to play it is it's just it's really well done. I mean, the you know to take the, the the comp sci complexity of taking all this mapping data and you know your it's like Google Maps meets a game and it's it's just really tight and well done, um, which is pretty amazing. Imma- I mean, knowing their background, it makes sense. But the scale they're doing it—they've had glitches and whatnot. But the scale they're doing this at—it's it's just really mind-bogglingly impressive what they've done here, and, and the quality is just off the charts. Hey, Scott,
0: that's all really well and good, but um, I feel like we've teased the audience enough. Uh, forget all this boring business stuff. What do we have to do if we want to win?
1: Yeah, so this is the advanced part of the of the uh, the show here. So when you start, you're a level one and you don't get to do gym battles until you're level five. Um, so... Uh, What I've found is a lot of people get to level five and they don't jump into gym battles and then they get crushed. So the best strategy is to focus on leveling up until you're in kind of the high teens. So um, to advance through the levels quickly, it takes experience points. You get experience points through a variety of things. Every time you go to a Poke stop, when you hatch an egg, when you catch a Pokemon, everything you do in the game gives you a little bit of experience points. The um, you get the most experience points when you, if, let's say you get 10 of a certain Pokemon, you can transfer nine of them back to the professor, uh, and then you can evolve that Pokemon. And when you evolve a Pokemon, you get like a thousand experience points. It's, it's the, the largest way to get experience points. There's an item called a lucky egg. So it doubles your experience points. So, so I found this cycle to get up to level 20 is, through, you know, collect Pokemon, uh, as you go through the day and then put a, Do a lucky egg and it lasts for twenty minutes and then like evolve a bunch of Pokemon while you have that and you can just like go racing through the levels pretty quickly. And the higher a level you are, the more rare Pokemon you get exposed to. And then you can start to kind of build your Pokemon once you get to kind of the teens, like let's say you're at fifteen or sixteen, now you're gonna start to get these Pokemon with combat levels that are up in the two, three, four, five, six hundred hundreds. And then now you can start to go to these gyms and fight and kind of get to the next advanced levels. So there's definitely kind of a sequence of doing this, so just to recap, getting your experience your level up uh into the mid teens uh don't worry too much about collecting you know the uh building a portfolio of advanced Pokemon to go battle with uh and then then you can kind of start to do those kind of more advanced things so that that's that's the big thing that 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 I learned. Sadly, one of the um, one of the best ways to catch Pokemon um, is number one turning off the AR. It does kind of um, make it tough because it plants the Pokemon in a very specific place. Whereas if you have the AR off, you can kind of like get in a better position. He kind of like moves around um, easier in the real world for you, um, and then. The other thing is when you're getting ready to catch the Pokemon, you flick a ball at it, and there's this circle that starts big and it gets smaller and what you're trying to do is when the circle turns green and you have to kind of time it like when it goes from red to yellow, just as it's kind of at the end of yellow if you flick the ball at the small green circle then that that's the best way to catch the pokemon it it takes a while to kind of like get the hang of that um, let's see those are the um and then. So what's interesting is uh, there's no way to get Pokecoins other than spending money unless you can go in and own a gym. And the way these gyms work is there's there's different teams. There's, uh, there's three different teams, red, yellow, and blue, in the game. And they have te- names like Valor and, and this kind of thing. And... Um, what you're, what you're trying to do is go find a gym that is not your team. And if you can go in and battle and own that gym, you can put your Pokemon in there. And if he's in there for 24 hours, you get Pokecoins. So, so that's the one way to get Pokecoins, um, in the game without actually spending real world dollars. So, so you find these folks that have kind of like, you know they're they're level 30 which i don't know how they did that and they've got this you know giant portfolio of pokemon camped out in these gyms kind of sending them money which is kind of an interesting kind of concept so 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 there's this progression you go through the game which keeps it interesting where in the early days you're leveling up in the in the second phase you're you're kind of maturing your pokemon and getting them ready for battle and then in the later stages you're you're battling and owning gyms and getting kind of it's like almost like Multi-level marketing, where now these dollars are kind of flowing back to you, and it builds your strength because you've, you're kind of getting this economic advantage that that no one else has.
0: Yeah, and is it fair to say that so that gymnasium dynamic is it's essentially sort of like a king of the hill type thing where there's three teams and which uh, whichever team has sort of spent. The most time at that gymnasium, they've converted it to be their team's color. And then if you're in one of the other two colors, you can earn the most points by, uh, putting your Pokemon in that gym to overtake, to, to eventually get ownership of that gym. Is that the basic dynamic there?
1: It is. Yeah. It's very much king of the hill. Um, now, you can, even if you run into, if all the gems are in your team, you can go in there and you can train it up and you get some experience points and stuff, but it's not as the real juice is going and defeating another gym and taking it over. Got it. And there's every gem has a level, and it, it kind of takes you. You have to kind of go through this and destroy the different levels and work your way through it. it. It takes quite a while to get a hang for for that part of it. Um, uh, and we we could probably spend quite a while on it, but uh, but that that's kind of the gist of it for folks that want to figure out how to get more advanced at this.
0: Very cool. Um, well, don't be surprised if the Jason and Scott show is sponsoring a Pokemon stop in
1: the near future. Sounds like. Yeah, we'd have to have portable ones because we're always on the go. But we'll we'll figure it out.
0: Exactly. I feel like those of us that travel so much probably have an unfair advantage in the game.
1: Yeah, yeah, it, it is it is interesting. I've got some more trips coming up, and I'm I'm fascinated to see uh, if if it's like my Boston experience where I was just exposed to a whole other set of of different Pokemon than I was here in North Carolina.
0: Exactly. So maybe we should offer our own promotion. If you're going to attend shop.org and uh, visit us during one of the live broadcasts and you can show us a higher level Pokemon account than Scott's, um, then you can win some cool free Jason and Scott show merchandise. Ah, yeah. That's
1: a good one. We'll see. I'll be leveling up for them.
0: Exactly. I'm relying on you to not cost me money in this in this contest, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> um, but with that, I will say uh, we have used up all the time that we've allotted for this special Pokemon deep dive. We hope you found this primer uh, helpful, and we'll look forward to hearing your feedback. As a reminder, you can leave us a review on iTunes or leave us feedback on the official Jason and Scott Show
1: Facebook page. Yep. And as a final reminder, we are sponsored by NRF and we're going to be live podcasting at the nrfshop.org digital summit, which is in Dallas, September 26th to 28th. Jason and Scott show listeners get a 10% discount off the full conference fee. And that code is Jason ampersand Scott, S-C-O-T, J-A-S-O-N ampersand Scott. So visit retailsdigitalsummit.nrf.com. Enter that code and you will get a discount and we will see you there. Thanks, everyone, and happy Pokemoning. Exactly. Until
0: next time, happy com- commercing. You've been listening to the Jason and Scott Show. For all the latest news and trends on e commerce and shopper marketing, subscribe to us on iTunes and please leave a
1: review.